the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 104 of the Severe MMA podcast is back. Two years, Graham. The anniversary was, I don't know if you know it, on Sunday you were on, on the booth uh-huh. for the weekend, but it's a two-year anniversary of the Severe MMA podcast, so thanks to everyone who's uh, who stuck with us this whole time, and especially thanks to our sponsors, rosnutrition.com, who've been with us for most of that time, in fairness to them. So if you head on over to rosnutrition.com, you can get 25% off for first order with the promo code Severe MMA. If you don't know by now, ROS Nutrition or Ireland's uh, premier uh, protein, all that good stuff, supplements, supplement provider. They have products for sports performance, strength and conditioning, green foods, joint health, you know, all that good stuff. They have um, uh, amino acids. Um, you know, if you head on over, they actually have to their website, rosnutrition.com, they break it down for you, you know, sport by sport. You know, yeah, they have obviously female nutrition, male nutrition, all that good stuff. So, as I say, rosnutrition.com. 25% off your first order with the promo code SEVERE and uh, they have some good um, they have some good uh, offers as well for the new year so um, yeah head on over there as I say rosnutrition.com promo code SEVERE and uh, 25% off your first order boom Graham how was your weekend I, I know you were boozed up for the whole weekend you were stagnate you yeah, covered yet yeah um, yeah, um, yeah I feel a little bit a little bit tired but I'm not hungover so happy days yeah, I was uh, drinking pretty solidly for the weekend so haven't done that in a while. Nice in Super Bowl last night. Set up for it. Like, what a game! Unbelievable, wasn't it? Yeah, great game. Great game. Uh, my fr- the world champions of America <laughs> have been, tra- been crying. World champions. Uh, my friend Mosey, uh, he watches every week the Super Bowl, and he went to bed last night with like twenty or a half an hour, forty-five minutes left in the game. When it was like what 20, 28, three or something like that, and missed the whole comeback. Serves <laughs> <laughs> uh, him right. Serves him right. But uh. Another good weekend in the soccer as well. Man United got a 3 0 win in Liverpool. What happened to Liverpool again? Yeah. Well, I didn't I even actually see the highlights. Yeah. Yeah, it was awful. Yeah. 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 If you don't kick the ball in empty net, you, you can't win games. Like, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Coutinho is fairly bad now, in fairness, I must say. But, uh, uh, yeah, he, hasn't looked, he hasn't looked the same since he came back from that injury. He's not looking sharp. No. One, Man United one point behind Liverpool now. Yeah, it's awful, isn't it? Everton are coming up as well, and they're scoring lots of goals and stuff. Liverpool could finish seventh. Nah, I wouldn't worry about Everton. Well, you're better off in seventh than Europa League, I suppose. I 100 percent don't agree. Have... Yeah, I have to agree with that. But anyway, there's lots of things to get to this week on the MMA front, so let's do that. And I suppose the big thing from the weekend was the return of your boy, the Korean Zombie Chan Sung Jung. You did call it in fairness. You did say that he would win, and he won in spectacular fashion knocking Dennis Bermudez out after a minute and 49 seconds of the opening round um no nah, nah, I already stopped it I already stopped it come on <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you think it was though I don't know Bermudez is kind of claimed that afterwards but you see if he's face planted on the ground eating punches so trying to leg trying to take down the ref afterwards and stuff. yeah he was but my first thought, right, was early stoppage, to be honest. But then really? looking at it again, yeah, looking at it again, I was like, no, no, it was all right, it was a good stoppage. But I, those are those are the type of ones, right? If Herb Dean wasn't up so close and he didn't step in immediately and he kind of gave it a second, like, Bermudez could have survived there. But I'm kind of glad that Herb Dean does step in in those situations because you're just taking, like, additional, you know, you're just taking additional damage. It's better to, you know... 
<laughs> rest up and fight for fight another day. day. Yeah, yeah, live to fight yeah. another day, exactly. But uh, well, on the overall performance, I suppose, and like what exactly he did, the mountain he climbed to come back after three years out, you, you obviously saw something in him, in his style and in, you know, the way he was looking coming up that, that you thought he'd do it. Did he did he fulfill everything you you well it, it was obviously it was very hard to pick when somebody's been here for so long like yeah. three three years and he did he, uh, people were saying oh no ring rust or whatever but I thought he did look a bit rusty he was eating he was eating more punches than usual from somebody who who he's fought he's fought uh, fighters with much better striking than Dennis Bermudez and not been not been hit that often that early but uh, he got that first round knockout so you can't really argue with that I suppose he's always been a little bit reckless like uh, yeah. more than a little bit reckless I think that's why they call him the zombie but uh, yeah, I think he actually changed he seems to have changed his actual kind of stage name to the Korean zombie and dropped dropped uh, Chang Sung Young yeah he has yeah, um, but, uh, yeah. I, I can't I can uh, agree with you to be honest I, I, th- I thought he looked a bit rusty as well but uh, the thing about the Korean zombie is you said you know his recklessness he usually before and even at the weekend he gets caught when he comes into exchange in the pocket you know when he land his shots while you land your shots and he's going to come out better because he's a better chin but i think the rustiness showed when he was getting caught and he wasn't countering or wasn't hitting bermudas you know at the same time when bermudas landed those big overhand rights and he you know he rocked him um, a couple of times i suppose was that what you were worried about as well or that yeah the things you saw? yeah i think he said himself like that um yeah, he, he that it kind of took him. That he said like, oh, he done all the sparring and all, but it, it was different in the fight. It's just a different intensity and is obviously a different pressure and all that as well. But uh, obviously he's an experienced experienced guy, and, and they were saying on the broadcast he'd been doing a bit of fencing for like kind of he he's been working on his, his footwork that way. But um, it didn't really that didn't really seem to seem to show in the fight. He didn't seem to have uh, improved footwork or anything like that. But he didn't look he didn't look old or he didn't look like the game had gone past him anyway. Like so yeah, I would, like I wouldn't be surprised if Green Zombie I'd be surprised probably if he if he won the belt at any stage, but I, I could see him he's I could see him back as a top contender, definitely. Like I think that's a big statement win there, especially in the first round against uh, Dennis Bermudez. Yeah. Putting him away like that. Yeah, like I I I I agree with that. I think um there was an odd thing that happened in that he looked really, you know, he looked a bit rusty. Obviously, he was taking those big shots. He nearly got knocked out a couple of times, but obviously his, his chin is so good that he, he immediately recovered. But uh, one thing about these guys who always, you know, the people talk about ha- them having good chins, they always, when they get rocked, they clinch up or they do something to, to stop the second shot coming in, you know, and he did that very well. But what I thought was, was amazing was, okay, we spoke about there, and I think a lot of people have spoken about it. I think Cub Swanson tweeted about it as well. That, okay, he was looking rusty. You know, the shots maybe weren't meeting their meeting their home um, quickly, but then, or meeting their home, you know, perfectly, and he was getting caught. But then the, the, the knockout punch, it kind of just came out and over, and I, I thought it was brilliant. Watching it back again, it was one of those ones, like, looking at it first, maybe, okay, he just landed a big uppercut and he knocked him out. But if you, if you look back at it, there was, there was two sequences that led straight up that right the first one was he threw a left hook and the second one was he threw a faint left hook so he he threw he was going to throw it but he didn't throw it so right you throw a left hook you go to throw a left hook and you don't throw it and then he was fainting again the third time to throw the left hook so if you're Bermudez, you're probably thinking, right, he's he threw one, he's fainting, so he's going to throw one again. So Bermudez was looking for that left hook, but instead of throwing the left hook, he threw the right uppercut and knocked him out with it. I thought it was 
I thought it was just brilliant for a guy who was three years out and he was looking to be rusty up until then to throw something, you know, as kind of, in, you wouldn't say intricate, it's pretty, pretty simple, but it, it sounds simple when you talk about it straight up like that, but to actually pull it off in a fight, you know, I, against someone like Dennis Primoon as a ranked guy like that, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was just brilliant, and it was, it, you know, it wasn't just the fact you throw a feint and you throw an uppercut. It was, the, you know, the way he kind of contorted his body, you know, to kind of move his hips and to move his power onto that right hand rather than throw it with the left hand. I thought it was just brilliant. Yeah, it was. He, he's he's always been he's always been um real really exciting and really good on the ground, but he he hasn't really shown that that kind of. He, he he kind of is more usually more volume than feints and stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's he's obviously he's obviously has been improving while while he's been away uh, in the military. Um, maybe it's kind of taking a step back and looking at your game. That that would, would make him think, oh, I need I need to feint more and I need to I need to uh, uh, pick my kind of shots more carefully. And he and it, it wasn't really going as we as we're saying it wasn't really going that way he he looked like it, i like i actually didn't see the fights alive so i was watching them back when i knew the result uh and i knew the, the green zombie had won in what was it like two and a half minutes was a half a two yeah. round yeah and I, and I was like oh, okay and i wasn't expecting him to get to get lit up as much as he, as he was watching it back <laughs> the first round knockout speaks for itself i suppose like you, you can't argue with a first round knockout yeah like i thought his takedown defense is a good as well maybe something you know that wasn't really lacking before. I think he was happy enough to go to the ground sometimes because, of, yeah. as you said, but he, he tried to create a scramble game. nearly. He wouldn't sprawl. He just tried to use the momentum to, to roll the guy or to create a scramble and end up on top. Yeah, I think Bermuda's takedown game is actually pretty good, and he did very very well to uh, to stop it. You know, I, I think he did an office job as well. They, they were saying in the uh, in the broadcast as well. So you know, you never know. You, you know. He's he could have been training, uh, you know, all along as as you say, and, and improving and things, and you know, maybe when you've that that kind of time off. Oh, we spoke about it a lot with Dominic Cruz as well. That you know, as you were saying there, it helps your mind and improve things. You know, maybe that you wouldn't get a chance to look at from from afar that you would before. It's it's kind of hard as well with the Koreans on me that you know. It, through translation and stuff, you know, obviously he doesn't speak English. Well, that that we know of anyway that I've ever heard, but it's hard to know what kind of a fella he is, you know, if he's really analytical or like Dominic Cruz or, or something like that. So, you know, I think that that's very possible. And the way he fought, you know, he, he tweeted Dominic Cruz as well, saying that he kind of inspired him the way he spoke about ring rust. And so, I, you know, I thought it was a, a really good comeback. You know, obviously there's going to be little bits to uh, to pick apart from it, but to come back and do that to Dennis Bermudez, I see he's ranked number nine in, in the world as, as we speak. They haven't been updated yet, but to come back and do that to him is just uh, is just phenomenal. Yeah. And, Even if you hadn't been out for three years and you knocked out Dennis Bermudez yeah. in the first round, it'd be, it'd be a very good win. Yeah. So it just adds, it makes it even better when you mm-hmm. I had Bermudez to win by KO in the first round of 10 to 1. I was like, oh, God, <laughs> you know, you good, did you? <laughs> I did, yeah, I was like, oh, yes, he's got it. Oh, no, he got knocked up. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> I was happy enough anyway, though, to Korean Zombie. You know, it's great to see a comeback story like that, you know, when, when guys are out for so long. And, uh, and, uh, can, can he's always exciting as well, so it's good to have them guys at the top of the division as well. Yeah, like I put up a, I put up a tweet there at the weekend. His UFC career is like Twister, seven-second KO, um, 
dislocated his shoulder, lost to Jose Aldo, oh for three years, and in a first round knockout. You know, that's <laughs> there's nothing, you know, there's nothing uh, boring about uh, about the Korean Zombie, but uh, a, a dark shock as well thrown in there for for good measure as well. So yeah, and when he does go to the decision, it's usually uh, it was like Lena Garcia in WEC, or I know he didn't didn't go to the decision with Poirier, but it was a fourth round submission, like he. He's dangerous at all times. Like he, he's dangerous on the feet. He's dangerous on the ground. And you, you need you need guys like this, like kind of cult fan favorites that, like the Korean Zombie, that people really get behind. Like you know, people have been behind him for for a long time, even even before WEC came into the or merged with the UFC. Dana White was like wearing a Korean Zombie T-shirt, and you, you saw a Korean Zombie T-shirts all around the place, like even at Irish MMA events and stuff. So he definitely is like a, somebody people are interested in and. You need guys like that, especially with Connor leaving the 145 division and Aldo maybe leaving the 45 division. You need guys like this, so it's a welcome, it's a welcome return in the the Korean Zombie. Yeah, hundred percent. Who do you think? Uh, who do you think should be next for him? I, I I tweeted that I think maybe Cub Swanson would be a good one to get revenge for for his uh his Korean brother uh, Du Ho Chai. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Yeah. yeah, kind of a WEC throwback, you know. I think yeah. that'd be a good one. Who else is there? Um, looks like Lamas and Edgar. Maybe is, is, is that that's been kind of rumored for a while. Oh, has um, it? Yeah, um, yeah, I think that probably makes the most sense. Swanson, even Oliveira, maybe that that'd be a good. Yeah. That'd be a good. Maybe good one if it did hit the ground. Yeah, I think he'd probably knock out Oliveira by the you know by judging by the last step. Someone mentioned to me as well. Be very dangerous at jumping on some of your back or even jump like he. Yeah. he when when he's on when he's on his game, he's he's very good. But if it starts going against Oliveira, he kind of don't know if his heart's exactly uh, as strong as some of the other guys in the division. Yeah, someone mentioned to me Frank Edgar. Like that Frank Edgar fight would be, it'd be so good. You you'd probably think Frank Edgar would take him down a lot, maybe. But judging by the zombie at the weekend, he said, as I said, he stayed down the fence has improved an awful lot. And you now if he can stop Edgar's takedown, I think that'd be a good fight. Even if he didn't stop Edgar's takedown, you know, he's dangerous on the ground as well. That'd be, a, you know... Even the Max Holloway fight, like, if, if Max hasn't, isn't booked, I wouldn't mind seeing Holloway and the Korean Zombie. Yeah. Maybe the Korean Zombie, for him, would be better to get another one in there. He, he only has two and a half minutes in the last three and a half years, but in the cage, but... uh. Like that, that'd be a very exciting fight. Like both of them, both of them are high volume and not afraid to strike. And not and Korean Zombie has a, probably an advantage on the ground, so that that would make it very interesting. Yeah, there's talk as well of a, a Korean card coming up next year. Like you do, obviously do watch out there as well. Could be on that card. Do you know? There's, there's a lot, looking at that featherweight division, like there's a lot of exciting fights there. You know, we've mentioned a lot of them there. I would mind seeing any of them. I think that Edgar one would be a good headliner. You know, for a for a Korean card or something like that. Obviously, Edgar has fought uh, overseas before. He fought in the Philippines and against um, Uriah Faber. So um, yeah, I, I think that. And Edgar's a, Edgar is a guy as well that. You know, he kind of needs those fights. He need you know, because he's lost so many title fights in a row that, you know, he's kind of in a Joseph Benavidez situation where he, you know, he needs big fights like that and uh, just to kind of keep him going. So I wouldn't mind seeing that. But, um, yeah. Does yeah. Mursad Bektic have a fight book? He does. He's fighting Darren Atkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if, 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 they're they're going to have to give him somebody soon enough. Like, he's, he's not getting any younger. He can't be a hot young prospect forever. <laughs> you kind of have to test them at some stage, I think. Yeah, I, like looking through the rankings there, there's hardly no like 
stick to you wrestlers. Obviously, Edgar will do it a bit. Lamas tries that, but he's not really that good at it. And Bermuda tries that. When's Mendez's ban over? Mm, I'd say he's a good pilot still to go, isn't he? Well, he got two years. Yeah, yeah, he got mm-hmm. two years. Sorry. But I think Bektich is probably one of the worst matchups for the Korean Zombie you can get because of his wrestling style. Mm. What about Yair? Yeah, Jeez, that'd be a good fight, wouldn't it? <laughs> that'd be a good fight. There's everyone like Korean Zombie against anyone. Korean Zombie shadow yeah, he's, he's really spruced up the division, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's a great division, though. You know, I was thinking about Featherweight and Bantamweight are just absolutely phenomenal. You know, is it? They're great divisions because lads can get so many wins. Like Lightweight has probably the best talent and everything, but they're all beating each other all the time, and it's kind of hard, you know, to get it, get a mom, bit of momentum going. But in Featherweight, and yeah, kind of like the light, yeah, it's kind of like the light heavyweight division. Kind of used to be the the most exciting division but i think now for the last three or four years even the, the, the lightweight division is is really good yeah like all the way down to, to like 15 let me have a look just a quick look here like you got people like uh Cerrone and Ayaquinta and melendez and Poirier like from 10 to 15 like there's some serious serious fighters like. yeah and Al Ayaquinta's coming back as well apparently uh sean shelby put up a picture with him and saying you're going to see him in an octagon soon so that's fucking great news I'd love to see him fight Joseph Duffy, as I said, if they can get... Yeah, I was going to say that. They should get Joe Duffy back and throw him in against each other. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, I suppose we'll, we'll move on further down the card. Another guy as well, just before we get to the common event, we'll just mention this one quickly. Another guy I'd love to see fighting Joseph Duffy is James Vick, who uh, won a dark shock against, uh, against Abel Trujillo. Wasn't wasn't the greatest fight in the world, I suppose. Um, yeah, the first round wasn't great anyway. Yeah, Vic Vic is the type of guy you know that he's he's good everywhere and he's dangerous everywhere because he's he hits hard. He, obviously, we, we saw his submissions. I thought Trujillo did pretty well to to survive through the submissions, but Trujillo is one of those guys. He's a little bit of a he's a weak chin, and I was looking through his record. And he actually, I think he was knocked out once, maybe a long time ago, but he gets rocked in all his fights and either rocked and submitted or rocked and like loses around heavily. But, um, you know, obviously Vic rocked him as well and, and finished him there. But Vic is, you know, Vic is one of those guys that's climbing the ranks. And, uh, that you know, any other division he'd probably be ranked. But in lightweight, um, he just isn't yet. But uh, yeah, what, what yeah, did you he's think? He's always with chokes and, and yeah. his knees are very good. Like, yeah, James Vic is, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of went to the next level at some stage. Like, I think what's his only loss is to Benil Dariush. Yeah, so that's, that's no that's shame like, in that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and I, I think I think he got KO'd in that. So like you know you can get caught, you can get caught, and you can close that hole in your game and work work on whatever went wrong. And, and he, like Abel Rio is is very very good. Like he's mm-hmm. he, he he seems to be kind of in these bizarre fights a bit, like where no contest or like several like fouls or something. But um, he's very hard to beat. Like he's definitely no mug. And he, he rocked him hard, like he had him doing the chicken dance, and then he put him away with that choke. And he is always dangerous with chokes, yeah. James Vick. So, yeah, yeah he, he, he uh, as you say, it's such a killer's road that it's hard to kind of break into that top echelon. But he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if James Vick kind of went, came on in the in the future, and put it all together. And and I I, I don't see him ever ever being the champion or maybe even not fighting for the belt but i could see him sticking around there and being a being a good test for for many years yeah 100 percent agree um and i suppose like if, if chan sung jung was the biggest uh the high point at night i suppose the, the lowest point at night was alex Grasso against uh against felice herrig and when i say low point i mean a low point obviously Gr- Grasso's performance maybe wasn't the best but 
I think there's there should be a lot good lot of good things said about Felix Herrig. I thought she, you know, this was the performance of her career. I thought she was really good, but you just I just can't get away from thinking that Grasso was kind of off her game. You know, it was kind of at a very low energy. Some of the kicks she was thrown were very sloppy, very yeah. very slow and sloppy, and it was very strange. But Felice Herrig was tagging her though, and maybe yeah. she she she's young in her career. She hadn't been she hadn't been kind of put in put in that position before. Like Felice Herrick said afterwards that uh, like oh she didn't have she had all these kind of weight cutting problems and kind of just lifestyle problems before, and she felt she had no energy in her fight. And uh, I I'd actually fully believe that to be honest, because she looked she looked completely she looked like a completely different fighter than she's looked over her over her UFC career. Than in in this fight, she looked she looked like a. She looks like she could be. She could like give problems to pretty much anybody in the division. Yeah, yeah. I thought she was good. Like just on Grasso before that, I thought she started the fight well and she ended the fight well, but kind of in different ways at the start. She kind of looked slick. Her jab was good. Her her uh, her defense was high. She was you know everything she was doing was kind of slick. She there was a the fight went to the ground at one stage and she got out really quickly and got back up. I thought she was looking good, but as you said there. Herrig just kind of took the fight from her. You know, she she started landing those big overhand rights, and not, not all of them were landing, but some of them were landing, and it kind of it put Herrig in a place that okay, she's landing these big shots to me, and I'm kind of throwing jabs at her, and you know, a lot of them are missing. Herrig was doing a good job of, of controlling the range, and uh, like as you went into round two, it was like okay, round one was a fifty-fifty round, and then Herrig absolutely just took over in round two and won that well. Grasso didn't seem to be. She she wasn't urgent enough. She she, she didn't seem to know she was losing, or she no. seemed happy enough. She thought she was. It was as if she thought she she that what she was doing was was winning the rounds. Maybe I'm not sure what they said in her corner, but maybe they should have been like, "Here, these rounds are too close to call. You need to go out there and make this happen." And maybe with a minute to go in the third round, she she, she seemed to realize that I need yeah. to start going forward. I can't counter here. This isn't working. But that, it was already too late at that stage. Yeah, and that's odd because she hasn't really fought that way before. And I think a lot of credit has to go to Herrig for for that because, as I said, her yeah. very range was very good. She wasn't she wasn't letting Grasso establish, you know, her one two. Okay, she was landing a couple of jabs and stuff, but she wasn't landing any big shots. And Herrig was landing the big shots. But as you say, maybe the last ninety seconds, two minutes of round three, she obviously she must have got the call from her corner and she started up in it and she had a lot of you know she had a lot of success there but it, it was just so odd i think she she's like she's this kind of slick go forward fighter who lands a lot of shots you know does a lot of damage who tries to just be the slick bit you know and it, it yeah. didn't it, you know it didn't work for the first you think she, she, think she might have underestimated herrig on the feet and thought she might be just defending takedowns most of the most of the fight and kind of put the camp maybe put a lot of effort in camp into that maybe yeah like herrig did say it as well that um afterwards a lot of people thought she was a submission artist but she, she's i think stan mentioned that or um anik mentioned it in the podcast that she has a really good kickboxing record I like, think it's like 20 22 and 3 or something yeah, like something that. like that yeah so like herrig is no more and she, i remember back in her bellator days she was kind of like that she was the one like that oh you take her down and you'd beat her remember that you wear like the muay thai thing and all yeah. around her head before she'd go out yeah. the, the what do you call that thing the i don't know Gara. not tiara but <laughs> what is it I don't know what's headband. Like. Yeah, she's improved so much because back back in I remember I was thinking about it before the fight. I was like, Herrig was like this. She was kind of like Bellator's poster girl. She's you know a good looking girl, and they didn't they didn't really have that much women's MMA back at the time. You know with with Bjorn Rebney and stuff, and 
she was kind of the only one there and they were giving her maybe a lot of easy fights and she even lost, you know, one or two pretty easy fights. And like, I thought when she signed for the UFC, I kind of thought they were signing her for the, for the same reasons, but she, maybe it's because she hasn't been occupied in that role that she's actually like knuckled down and taken her fighting more seriously. Or, or maybe it's just that she improved an awful lot. You know, sometimes it, it clicks for different people at different times. Maybe, maybe as she, as she was saying, the improvements were more in her lifestyle and not, not, yeah eating or, or eating properly and not starving yourself too far out and not overtraining and feeling burnt out when you actually get to the fight there's a there's a lot there's a lot of things that can go wrong in in preparation and in an mma fight if you if you if you don't have this the the science i, I suppose down of weight cutting and not overtraining and at the same time like you, you want to peak at the right time and it, and there's gonna be there's probably gonna be fights where you have injuries and you 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 battle through the the injuries to get to the fight and you're not exactly in prime condition but some sometimes it's more it's more stuff like fleece herrig she thought she had to she thought she had to starve herself she says to to make the weight but then now she realizes that she's actually just got to eat properly and uh, <laughs> train kind of more more smart and it seems to be doing great stuff for her and it's obviously a confidence booster when you when you feel good going into to, into a fight it's obviously going to Rather than feeling bad, it's going to be uh, good for the confidence and and she 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 really looked good. she really looked great. Like Grasso, we're saying, oh, Grasso didn't do this, didn't do that. But I think she was taken by surprise by Herrick and how aggressive she was and will, willing to strike that she was. Yeah, and she I was just looking at the record here. She actually never lost in Bellator, but she had a split decision with Heather Jack Clark in a fight that I thought she had lost at the time, if I if I remember correctly. And Heather Jack Clark is not the best in the world, and she was even even worse back there. But that you know, taking nothing away from from her, you know, looking at the record, this is definitely the the best uh, the best win of her career. Like in, in if you take away her first two fights, you know, when she was just starting, she's only lost in like the last what was it, eight years to Bar Ponchak. Carla Sparza, Tisha Torres, Paige Van Zandt. You know, like, there's no shame in any of those losses, really. And I think, as, as she said, and as you alluded to there, you know, that Paige Van Zandt loss, maybe her head wasn't wasn't totally in it, and uh, she she's kind of got back to her best now. But, as I said, uh, look, Alexa Grasso, it's obviously, it's a big blow for the UFC. She was kind of going to be the one to, to maybe bring him into Mexico. And I think she can still do that. I think she's she's still a very yeah, good fighter. Yeah, one loss, like, yeah. one or two losses in, in UFC or in MMA isn't, isn't as big as people like like to make out. Like, it's not it's not that devastating. You come back in three months' time, win a fight, come back a couple months after that, win another fight, everybody's forgotten, and they're talking about how how, how much you've improved since since the loss. And, yeah. And it, 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 it can be a, a loss can be a huge help. Like, a lot of fighters say that their first loss was, was a big help to them or... When their first loss in a, in a few years or in a, in a few fights was a big help to them in, in improving their game. Yeah, right. Before we move to the to the other fights, let, let's look at the the other two women's strawweight fights while while we're talking about the strawweight division. I suppose first of all, Tisha Torres against Beck Rollins. Uh, before we start the show, you were giving out to me for making you watch this because it wasn't the best fight in the world. But yeah, uh, I I like Torres' style, but there's a there's a just a fatal flaw in it that she doesn't have enough power. Um. She, you know, I said on the night, it's it's a hundred and twenty-five pounder against a hundred and five pounder. Really, like Torres is, Torres is too small for division. Rollins is too big for division, and uh, but I, I think Torres yeah, she missed weight, which kind of shows that did, as well. Yeah. yeah. Tara's a style like she's she's so fast, she's so nifty. She doesn't get hit that much, you know. She lands a, a lot of shots as well, but she just doesn't have the pop to make that style a dominating, you know, style that that's going to win fights all the time because if she comes up 
against someone right, right who maybe isn't as fast as her, you know, isn't as technically good as her, and they land one big shot in her and maybe knock her down. She's gonna lose rounds, <laughs> you know, doing that. And even though if she's she, you know, she might be better, the better fighter, more technical fighter, it's you know, it's, it's gonna be hard for um to win to win fights in the UFC at the very very top level. Now she's obviously a fantastic record. I think she's what like something like eight and one at the moment, which yeah, is you know, very very good. But um, yeah, I like her style so much, and she's she's in college as well, doing a criminology degree. So maybe you know, I think that's over in May. So once that's out the way, maybe and and she can concentrate on it, uh, you know, on it uh, fully. She'll even you know she'll even uh, go forward even more. But I thought Beck Rollins as well. She she saw she showed progression a lot up until her last couple of fights, and it's kind of I don't know. I think she maybe struggles with confidence and stuff as well. And obviously that knockout against Paige Van Zandt in a fight which she was doing pretty well maybe took away uh, took away a bit of that confidence. Yeah, like she she had that that good win against uh, Sohi Ham, and then the Paige Van Zandt performance was good up, up until <laughs> up until she got uh, finished. But um, yeah, Tisha Tisha Torres is a very busy fighter. She was a pressure fighter, and um, Breck Rollins just couldn't seem to handle that. Maybe it was maybe the weight cut was <clears throat> maybe the weight cut uh, trying to trying to get down there had taken a bit of energy out of her, but. Even even if she even if she had come um, on weight and with with, with a bit bit better game plan, I probably think Tisha Torres would have probably won anyway. She's probably a better all round fighter, even though she probably isn't, as you say, uh, championship caliber. Yeah, uh, and the other fight then in the, in the women's strawweight division was Jessica Andrade against Angela Hill. Um, and I think we're kind of in agreement with this in that it was a good fight and a great performance from Andrade, but. People were talking about it as like the best women's MMA yeah. fight ever. There was a lot of wading forward and throwing hooks uh, from from Andrade and and some good body work and, and uh, like it wasn't a bad fight or anything. But I, yeah. I, I didn't. I saw the tweet. Some tweets about that was it the best women's MMA fight of all time. I think the Joanna uh, Claudia fight is a far superior fight to that. The Valkovich fight was good as well. Yeah, yeah. Just that, that came to mind straight away when I saw the tweet. Like that, it wasn't anywhere near the, the level of uh, skill and um. And it was more back and forth. I think the the Joanna Claudia second fight, yeah, which is always always helps with the, with a, in my opinion, with, with, is it the best fight of all, all the time or the best women's fight of all time? I think the kind of exciting back and forth factor, as well as the, the superior skill level of both fighters, would would make that a, a much better fight. I agree. Not that this was a bad yeah. fight or anything. For me, what it didn't take away from it, but like when I'm looking at best fights ever, I, I look for a kind of an even fight, and I don't think this was really an even fight. You know, it was thirty twenty seven, you know, all the way down. I think I scored a thirty twenty six, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I gave every round to to Andrade anyway. Hill did well, you know, and she's improved an awful lot. But Andrade dominated the fight, you know, from start to finish. Basically, Hill looked in trouble a couple of times in the fight, and Andrade really never did. Um, well, was, it, was Andrade knocked down, or was that a slip? I don't think they ever. Uh, yeah, I don't think they. It looked like a slip to me live, but I don't think they ever showed the replay. Hmm. No, she didn't seem to be stunned by it anyway when she no. got up. So maybe it was just a flash knockdown or a slip. But they never seen. I, I, I didn't remember them clearing that up on the broadcast. Yeah, no, I don't think they did. Yeah, but uh, like. The the similarities between Jessica Andrade and John Lineker, I think you can. You know, you can't <laughs> it's just, body just shots. yeah, she's so exciting. She just wades forward and lands those big hooks, and 
I know I love it. I love talking about it, but range again. Like her and John Lineker have this knack of just fighting people who like to keep long range or who like, you know, a lateral movement to, to stay out of your range and just breaking them down, you know, piece yeah. by piece by piece. And she did it really, really well against uh, against Angela Hill, who I, I was very impressed by her lateral movement and her footwork and stuff like that. Well, not so much her footwork, in you know, in the back and stuff, but her, her movement, um, you know, her kind of her control of range. But it's just so hard. Against someone like Andrade, who just brings yeah. it and will and follow you. Andrade had a, had a uh, reach disadvantage. She's fought up, but up the higher weight class, twenty yeah. pounds heavier against people with the, with similar or even bigger uh, reaches or longer reaches than Angela Hill. So she's she's used to that. It's it's nothing new to her. Maybe maybe um, Angela Hill can use her range and use her kicks to keep people away, uh, other other women away better. Uh, she did uh, then then she more success than she had against uh, Jessica Andrade. But yeah, Hill has definitely improved. Like when she when she left the UFC uh, went Invicta, she she was a shadow of the fighter she is now. Like she she's definitely improving. But um, yeah, it's a, it like I don't know. I, it's tough to see where she goes. I thought um, I thought it was a mistake putting her into this fight. To be honest. It's- yeah exactly that's what i'm saying it's tough to see where she goes from this because she kind of built this momentum and they put her in to this fight we were calling we were calling it a mismatch last week um it's hard to know what, what, what the plan was i don't think uh, maybe it was just we need to get jessica and Raj, uh positioned for for contendership and angela hill has a kind of following she's kind of interesting on twitter and instagram and all that people seem to like her but yeah it's it's tough it's it's, it's a tough one for for angela hill yeah uh, like yeah, I, I could have even done with seeing her another couple of fights in Invicta, you know, or a couple of easy fights in the UFC. I'm not sure why they rush her. Maybe it's because of her age. I didn't realize she's 32, you know. Uh, I thought she was really way younger than that, to be honest. But, you know, maybe, maybe that's the reason. Um, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. As you said there, you know, she's obviously, she's liked and maybe they're, they're looking for stars in, in this division. But that's not a way of building a star, you know, putting her up against someone who she's going to lose to pretty badly. But, uh, I will relatively badly anyway but um yeah it, it, it was a good fight though. i think we're maybe taking away a little bit from it it was really exciting and, yeah uh, it's just kind of when people start saying well best women's fight of all yeah. time you kind of have to be like I mean, we're not like i enjoyed the fight but it, i just didn't see it like that yeah looks like andrade is going to be the next challenger for you and nj check how do you think she stacks up uh i think um i think she's a bit too basic for joanna um yeah. i think you need you need to be kind of you need to be good on the ground i think the person who's going to beat joanna is is going to be very good at taking people down and making joanna at least have to worry about that and not just be able to throw her strikes without without worrying about the takedown yeah you'd never know though i don't know yeah you value the turno and hit her if you uh, like you know mm. it's, it's, she's not she's not a uh, inflappable but yeah, if she if if she can if she gets backed up against the cage and starts eating the massive hooks and like if you get hit in the right spot you will go down like it doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, and Andrade's good in the ground as well. You know, she's maybe not the best takedowns, but she's good. Uh, she's good. I think Joanna's very very good on the ground as well now though. Yeah. Um, I think uh, somebody's gonna have to be really good. Like somebody's gonna have to be like noticeably better than Joanna on the ground because she she yeah. against Teddy Gardella she was able to negate it and and. Um, I think Gadella used used up a lot of her energy, uh, winning them first two rounds, holding her, holding Joanna down because she was scrambling and she she was harder to take down than she has been in the past. Yeah, it's on those. So it's a tough saw matchup for Jessica Andrade, but it's 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 uh, it should be an interesting fight. Like she, I think <laughs> she, she'll go forward and go at Joanna and Jacek, which which a lot of people, not a lot of people do. Yeah, it's one of those fights like thinking of it straight away. I think oh, Joanna will win that, but. 
I need to watch. I know. I need to watch a little bit more tape and stuff on you, Anna. First, how like just because because most of the time she's like moving forward and she's like controlling where the fight goes, but to see her backing up maybe and, and taking shots like that will be interesting. I must look back because like it's hard to remember. I don't. I don't really remember anyone doing that to her. You know, obviously when when uh, Gedelia did it, she did it. Uh, you know, up against the fence and with takedown stuff. And when Kovalkovich won that round against her, she landed that one big shot. And you know, she was beating maybe beat, not beating her in the pocket, but you know, having success in the pocket against Ian Jacek. So, it'd be interesting to see her with her back against the fence. You know, so um, that, that I, I'm really excited for that fight. Like, you know, I fancy Ian Jacek to win most of her fights and. It's hard. Sometimes it's hard to get hyped for such a, um, you know, a good a good champion one that such a dominant champion. But I think this one is is one you really really get hyped for. Um, but uh, just because of Injarge's her ability. But uh, let's move on just quickly through the the rest of the card. Um, I could go on all day about Uzdemar. Uzdemar, yeah, I could go on all day about Owen Sempru and. How frustrating he is, God Almighty! <laughs> <laughs> like he's there's no fighter in the UFC that frustrates me more than Ovin Sempru. He can't throw a jab. He fucking he like he can, he just can't throw a jab. He has to switch. He's like he's a southpaw, and he can't throw a jab with his right hand. He has to switch to orthodox so he can throw with his left hand to have any sort of lead at all. That oh God! Like and he wins. Like I thought he won this fight. He went to a decision with John Jones. And he has no. I was talking to Patrick Wyman about it on Twitter at the weekend. He has no boxing fundamentals at all. Fundamentals at all. He's he's awful, but he's still like a top line everywhere in the world. If he just if he had a boxing coach who could teach him, you know, take six months and go and, and train with someone and learn how to box, he could be unbelievable. He could be really really hard to beat because he, he he's just working off natural talent basically, and it's so frustrating to to watch him. To watch him fight, but always the Marion impro- impressed me as well. I yeah. thought he was good. I thought he was the exact opposite. I thought he had good technique and everything like that. But, uh, yeah, I thought the first was... round was was, was Uzumar. Uh, then I thought I probably would have given the second and third to, to OSB. But uh, sometimes in in MMA judging, when the, the guy that's expected to win starts eating a few shots, people score that heavily, or the judges kind of think of that more heavily on in their scorecards and. When when the underdog fighter that's kind of unex, unexpected, like when Anderson Silva was, was maybe fighting rounds that were close, people were giving them against him because they were so used to him being completely dominant. Yeah, that kind of level with OSP. But when when the the more known quantity and the, the guy the big betting favorite, the guy expected to win, when a, a close round can sometimes uh, he seems to more often than not go against them in the judges judges eyes. Yeah. So maybe that was what happened there, but yeah, it was a very close fight. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be calling a robbery or anything. It was, it was, it was very close. Yeah, Uzdemar, I suppose he joins, you know, the likes of Misha Sarkinov, who we'll actually talk about later on. There's a question about him because his contract is up with the UFC, but he joins him and, and Nikita Krylov and all those kind of new breed of light heavyweights, I suppose, coming up. It's an exciting time for the light heavyweight division, you know, to to see which one of these guys will kind of separate themselves from the pack and, you know. Get, Take the take it by the scruff of the neck because there's a title shot coming up there in maybe six or maybe nine months. You know, after we'll see how the things with John Jones goes, but it's not too long and until there's someone is going to be called up for a title shot, and one of these guys has the opportunity to put themselves in there. So, um, yeah, it's it's an exciting time, I suppose, for that division, heavyweight division as well. There was a couple of fights here. My, Marcel Fortuna got a beautiful KO win over Anthony Hamilton and laid him 
clean out in the ground and Curtis Blades uh, walk, walk off, off yeah. Yeah, Curtis Blades uh, won against Adam Milstead he was um, obviously dominating the fight and then Milstead came up with a, a hurt knee at the end of it um, who, uh, it looked like he injured his knee in between round, or before the end of the round and yeah. then he, he seemed to be clearly kind of trying to point out to his corner he was like massaging his own knee and they weren't even they weren't even referencing it it was very strange and then um, um, Blades kicked out his left, or it went for Tatian and kicked out his left leg as a kind of part of the, the trip, and his right leg just seemed to dislocate or uh, seemed to bend in an unnatural position, and he looked in serious pain. People were saying maybe he shouldn't, his corner maybe shouldn't have sent him out there. It's easy to say that after he, he obviously blows his knee out, but it's a, it's a tough one. It's a tough one, especially when his he didn't say it to his corner, even though he seemed to be pointing it out. Mm, what do you think? I don't that? think that's. I don't think he's corner out of them there. To be honest, <laughs> uh, do you not think? I, I don't think. I think they could have sent him out, but they should. Maybe they should have asked him what was going on with him. They could have kind of given him a kind of advice on how to work yeah, around it. Yeah, but like I, I, I hundred percent agree with that. But it's one thing. It may, sometimes you know in boxing they say right, St. John, and if you don't do it for like the first minute of this round, what we want you to do, we're throwing in the towel. I wouldn't mind seeing something like that in MMA, right? Seeing that guy out, look, you're not going to win this fight in the feet. Get a takedown. If you can't get a takedown the first minute, we're throwing in the towel. And you can throw in the towel in MMA. People re- don't realize that, you know, there's there's this this kind of uh, misconception that you can't do that. You you 100% can. So I think that would have been okay. You know, it, it, obviously, I think it's like easy a came from those like a. It's something to do with like there, there was no rule about throwing the towel, and there was no foreign object to be thrown into into the yeah. ring. But then I think they they kind of said, no, like if if you want it, if you want to stop, do throw the towel in. Just don't throw it near the fighters. Throw it just into the into the cage. Yeah. Uh, look, I think obviously if it, if it's a head injury, if someone got knocked down or something like that, or you're taking loads of damage, I said do do finish it. But if it's an injury like that, you know, an injury to any or something, there's still look at Conor McGregor against Max Holloway. You know, there's still ways you can go out there and win the mm-hmm. fight. So, um, you know, yeah, yeah, Conor didn't tell his corner yeah. either in between rounds after he yeah, he torn it. He just he just ignored it. He tried to ignore it anyway. But um, it it depends on how bad it was. Like. It, it might have just been like a strained MCL or something, and then just the the, the awkward position of the of the trip takedown from Curtis Blades just happened to dislocate it or or snap the ACL. Or, I'm I'm not sure what happened. Did they did they say what the what the injury was? Uh, he'll probably have to get a sure. He'll probably have to get a scan and stuff for they know for sure. You know. Yeah, I think I know. They, you can find out if the ACL's gone easy enough. I think. Uh, but maybe after the swelling goes down, you might yeah. wait for the swelling to yeah. go down. Yeah. Um. I suppose other than that, Chaz Skelly had a good win over Chris Gritzmacher. He had a good submission. Uh, actually didn't see that one. Yeah, it's grand. We want to talk about it. <laughs> Ricardo Ramos came in, <laughs> or Ricardo Hamas even, and beat uh, Missionary Tonica. As they yeah, Tonica, that's a good win, actually. Uh, I wasn't that impressed with him, to be honest. He was uh, he was all right. But he, uh, people were talking, he's, you know, he's one of the best prospects coming into the Bantamweight division. No, maybe it was that was his first UFC fight, wasn't it? Maybe it's a bit of bit of the jitters and stuff. And he, you know, he wasn't bad or anything now, but um, I was I was expecting an awful lot to talk about him. And Nico Price, I was very impressed with Alex Morono actually against Nico Price, but Nico Price got the uh, got the finish there uh, at the last second of the was the second round. It was the second round, I believe. Yeah, yeah second round. Yeah, Morono, he could come, come from behind. Yeah, Morono is he has one of those styles that it's really really great for like the first. 
round and a half, and then you can't help but get tired. It's like Jorgen Klopp's Liverpool, you know, they're they're great for the first half of the season, <laughs> then they get tired and they they win one game in ten. You know, he's a bit like that, and uh, he got he got tired and he got priced. You win say that since he's on the point. <laughs> no, actually, he just came up on it right now. But like that. Uh, he can only be Plymouth, so but uh, yeah, good. I was very impressed with the fight night all around. You know, a lot of submissions, a lot of chaos. You know, even the one that went to the decision were almost all good fights so it was a it was a, a good night all around Rentry had a nice knockout as well he did he, he he's very powerful it. on the feet it's just it's just his ground game was seriously lacking in the ultimate fighter but he, he showed a bit of take in the fence and he knew I think it looked, I thought originally that it was an illegal knee true but this, the second one seemed to hit him in the chest after he'd already kind of uh, TKO'd uh, with the knee with the legal knee yeah so that was that was a nice knockout as well it was, yeah. It was a good knockout. Um, and he's kind of one, one of those guys as well who's very raw. And I think he even went to that himself, that uh, that he's kind of a, a yeah. raw fighter. But, um, yeah, on the ultimate fighter, his ground game was, was non-existent, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Um, right, let's let's move on. And I suppose we're talking a lot about the women's strawweight division there. So let's move to, to Ashling Daly, who announced retirement around this time last week. But we, we didn't... Um, we didn't get in time for the podcast, so we, we definitely have to mention it this week. And I suppose you've been uh, around the scene, obviously, a lot, uh, in, on the local scene a lot longer than me and, and know about Ashley Daly. But Ashley Daly was one of the first fighters, you know, I kind of, you know, saw as, as an Irish MMA fan who was maybe attacked. Dis- What's the word I'm looking for? Yeah, Ashley's kind of the, brought on to the radio or brought on, yeah. brought on as the kind of representative of Irish MMA um, Years ago, before Connor was was a big star and all that, and she's always like, uh, she's always represented the sport well. And it's obviously sad to see that she has to retire. I think she's only twenty nine, and she, she's I think she's similar age to, to me. I remember she was on a um, that, what's your man Craig? Do you know that dude who does the rugby for BT now? The Irish dude. Um, oh, do you know that the, the kind of posh Dublin chap? But whatever his name is, anyway, he used to have a show on like a Saturday night. And I remember she was on it. I was like. Who's this person? Two belts and MMA fighter from Ireland. I was like, I've never, I didn't know. Was, like, I watched the UFC and stuff. And, I, you know, I was kind of before the time before Twitter and stuff where maybe you didn't, you know, didn't get all these, uh, you know, I didn't know anything about Irish MMA time. I was just maybe watching UFC for a couple of years. And like, you know, there's, there's action daily with like one of her, I don't know, was it in NAF's belt or maybe even before that. Yeah, the NAAFS, uh, I think it was. Yeah. She went over and fought Jessica Oi, who's obviously a... Uh, I think it actually might have been before that. I think it might have been even earlier than that. It could have been a cage rage or something oh, really? like that. But uh, yeah, I don't even know if she had bells, but she did like a demonstration and stuff. But uh, yeah, like she was one of the ones that was there. As I said, May 2007, that's almost 10 years since she made her debut. That's you know, that's unheard of, you know, in, in women's MMA, really. Well, not unheard of, but, you know, c- compared to the most yeah. of the people fighting in the UFC today. I think, like, to talk about it, I was supposed to go on the radio uh, uh, the other day, but I think uh, Ashley actually been done a different show than I was supposed to go on, so they kind of cancelled it. But I, I was thinking about what I was going to say, and I think when you're looking at Ashley Daly, you know, you can say that she was a pioneer for Irish MMA and for women in Irish MMA, and obviously there's a lot of people coming through, you know, like uh, Liam McCourt and Sinead Kavanagh and, and Catherine Gostigan, you know, and, and more as well, but she was also a pioneer kind of in worldwide MMA because when she was doing it, as I said, back in 2007, who else was doing it? You know, you maybe had the likes of, you know, the Julie Kedzie and Misha Tate and stuff like that, but there wasn't that many people doing it, and for her to do it, be doing it back then as well was phenomenal. Like, Ireland obviously 
hasn't a great history of, of uh, MMA and it kind of only started re- recently. But even if you look at other sports like say tennis or something where obviously w- women are treated kind of similarly to men in the at the top, you know, Ireland, if you want to become a you know a tennis player in Ireland, there's never I don't think there's ever been like a really good female Irish tennis player. But if there was, you know, they could make their way through, you know, they could go to the Irish Championships or they could, you know, go in, in Europe and play and eventually get onto the tour and stuff. You know, there's a pathway there. Yeah, yeah exactly. There's no yeah. pathway there. Like, Ashley Daly made her own pathway, you know, and obviously, as we, we were talking about, you know, Cage Rage, Bellator, Cage Warriors, uh, you know, those Nasbelt, and that was the place to be back in the day. You know, she obviously fought uh, Jessica, you know, Invicta, and ending on to the UFC, just... An amazing career she's had in in twenty two fights, and you know she's she's really paved the way for uh, as I said the other people coming through. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think um, PT did an article for News Talk, and he kind of talked about how she has this role with Safe MMA now. She's had that for a few years. Uh, one of the people that uh, brought Safe MMA to Ireland and kind of represented it, and, uh, spoke out for for the the kind of medical side of things. It's kind of. Uh, nearly ironic in a way that she, that it's a it's a brain scan abnormality that uh that forces her forces her to retire but as pt said in the article it's um her best work in mma maybe is is to come outside of it's well maybe not her best work but uh, yeah i think like uh her, her she definitely has a big place still in irish mma and um she definitely she definitely will be sticking around and won't won't be just disappearing into into the, the sunlight or into the into the distance, uh, people will be will be hearing from Ash from, from for a long while to come. But like you look, you look back at her fights, and um, she had some like great fights with over the years with like Rosie Sexton, and that was a very good fight where she she's obviously uh, very good in the ground action days. She nearly got an armbar a couple of times there, but uh, Rosie managed to, to win the, the the decision. And she uh, Ashing's always fought a, a tough guy. She fought Sheila Gaff, like Jessica I, Lisa Ellis. She's never been afraid of uh, flying anywhere in the world to, to fight any of the top guys, even if they're he- like women's divisions are there's, there's distinct divisions now. But back then it was kind of you had to kind of take the fight wherever 125, 135, whatever, whatever you whatever you t- in order to get a fight, you kind of had to be you had to be flexible weight wise and, and uh, country wise and flying into people's backyards. And I think uh, in the article PT did as well, they were talking about how J- everybody was talking about Jessica I, and she was taking photos with the belt before she even had it and they were talking about who she was going to fight next for the belt and it was all about Jessica I, and nobody was expecting Ashton to win that to win that fight and then she, she came in and choked her and I think it was the first round. Second round, yeah, second round. Second round, sorry. Yeah, so uh, yeah, she, she's definitely um, she's definitely the old breed of uh, the old breed of fighter kind of where there's, as you say, there was no path there. There was no sponsors. Well, she was kind of one of the first ones. She got Paddy Power on board. They kind of showed an interest in her. Um, but there was no like there was no money in the game. There was no there was no prospects of, of ever getting in the UFC. Like when she started, the the women's division was was eight years away from the UFC or seven or eight years away from the UFC. And Dana, if you had asked Dana then, he would have said no chance of the women ever fought, women ever fighting in the UFC game and um. Sometimes that's a bit lacking nowadays. I think people getting some people getting in, into MMA for slightly the wrong reasons these days. Yeah, like even I, I was watching when you put up the post about her retirement, and you you embedded a video of uh, you know a little documentary thing you did before her bar contract fight, and that was that was only two thousand and twelve. Like what five years ago? She's only had one, two, three, four, five fights since then. 
and it was actually like a, it was like a different world <laughs> you know it was like she was talking yeah. about like the rankings and stuff and you know people don't really understand what these fighters are and how they're ranked and stuff and like that's the way mma used to be like i remember even even the men's mma as well yeah and the world has just changed so much especially for women's mma in, in those few years and obviously she was there like you know representing ireland through the through all of it yeah, even it's in the old SBE gym the, from the Longmore Road, and it wasn't now. Now they're all in big, nice facilities with with cafes and smoothie shops and physiotherapy rooms, and they have everything. Like back then, it was it was two kind of it was a long hall with a with a with a long hall above it, and uh, just just mats on the walls and mats on the ground, and that, that was pretty much it. N- nowadays, I think people are uh, are used to kind of the good the the good life in Irish MMA. Obviously, it's very, it's very, or very difficult to to put all that work in and train. But I think uh, the the previous generation, like Ash, had had it had it tougher, and it made them tougher. Yeah, and look, I, I suppose how how we'll remember as well. We'll obviously remember as I, I call her a double pioneer. I think I really think she was, but. It was great to see her last fight was that one in Dublin where she walked out to zombie, you know, with the with the Korean zombie as well at the weekend. It kind of reminded everyone of it. And you know, I, I thinking about it, it was it was a bit like you know you know Carol Frotch, his last fight. You know, he had an eighty thousand people in in Wembley against uh, against George Groves as he reminds us so often. And he tried to get other fights after that. Oh, he fought well. for eighty thousand people. In Wembley, <laughs> didn't he? Yeah, but he tried to get he, he tried to get you know other fights and stuff after that, and they fell through. And he he decided to retire. And I think at the end he looked back and said, "Oh, that was a good way to go out." I think Ashley Daly was kind of similar. You know, she had other. I think she had a couple of fights booked, and they kind of fell through. And obviously, it, it was sad news last week about yeah, the. Uh, Gadella, um, was one of them. I think. Yeah, I think that was before that, though. But yeah, Waterson as well. Sorry, yeah. Waterson. Yeah, Michelle Waterson. Yeah, I think like obviously it was very sad news last week that you know she had the uh, the brain the abnormality in her brain she can't fight on. But I think to look back at it and have that Erica Almeida fight where she fought so well and you know the crowd was behind her. She had one of the best walkouts of all time in UFC. I think she looked back at that and say you know that was a good way to go out. You know, and I think a lot of people don't get that. You know, so um, fair play. Yeah, a lot of people go out on several losses, and it's good to have your your kind of long, your last and uh, last memory of the, of the cage to be a victory, and the crowd right behind you in your hometown, kind of vindicating nearly your 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 whole um, decision to even go into the sport in the first place. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Must so, uh, must, must must feel great uh, to. Uh, to have gotten that uh, that hometown pop at least once after she missed the uh, the original or not the original the second UFC Dublin card the the Conor McGregor Diego Brandao card yeah she was in the the Ultimate Fighter house that says wasn't she do you remember the the big the big house and Paddy said people were like oh is she in jail <laughs> <laughs> because Paddy Hulan said in the post interview Ashling certain the big house doing her time. <laughs> 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 oh crap, man. but yeah yeah fair play to Ashley Gary like you know and uh, I think uh, she's always done everything with, with class as well and uh, you know she's done everything her own way and as as you say you know she's going to be working with, with FMA and you know there's a lot of talk about you know how the I, IMAA isn't it you know going forward and I wouldn't mind seeing her on, you know, one of those committees going forward. You know, she obviously have, she's an intelligent voice and it's obviously always good to have a female voice as well on those things, especially when, as I mentioned, those fighters earlier on and there's even more, you know, female fighters coming through in Irish MMA. I think she'd be a great person to, you know, to have in there and to have her voice heard as well. So Yeah, she's very into the sport. She she works as a cut woman on local shows in Dublin and in Ireland. She's very involved, so I, I see that continuing. I think she'll, she'll, she'll be around in, in the sport for, for many, many years. Yeah, indeed. Right, uh, let's move on to another kind of 
pioneer of the well, maybe not a pioneer of the sport, but a, a long time veteran of the sport, Nick Diaz. Let's talk about Nick Diaz for, for a few minutes here. Um, at the weekend, it, it came out, I think Tyron Woodley said it. I'm not sure who reported I think it might have been Damon Martin or maybe Tyron Woodley just, just tweeted himself or something. But he said that Nick Diaz had been offered a fight against him for the, the UFC uh, welterweight title and he turned it down. There's also rumours that he turned down Damien Maya. Well, Nick D- or, um, Dana White actually said he turned, out, uh, Dam- he's turned it down, Damien Maya. Turned down Robbie Lawler as well. Yeah, it's strange. I can, I can kind of understand yes. the Maya one because Nick has always always been after big fights for for years. He's always been after big fights, but the turning down the a title shot is, is very strange. Yeah, and it's it's so strange that like it makes no sense because as you say, he's look, he's looking for big fights, and well, what's he going to get much bigger than that? Okay, he might get the Bisping fight. Is that that much bigger than it? I'm not sure. I think Diaz is going to be the draw in whichever fight he gets. You know, unless he gets GSP in a fight, I don't think anyone wants to see again. You know. There must be something more to it going on in the yeah, background. Maybe, he, maybe he's 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 out of shape because he's been he's been uh, he's been out for so long with the with the ban and the, uh, all that. Um, he, he's he's uh, he's uh, at all these events where where uh, Nate was fighting. He was uh, having a good time, drinking <laughs> and out all night in the MGM Grand. So maybe maybe he's not in the the, the right condition. He, he's obviously a a big fitness guy, a triathlete, and. and he takes the, the the cardio side of things very seriously. Maybe, maybe it's that, but I don't know. It's 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 strange, and he hasn't really said anything yet, has he? No, I don't think he has. But my my thing about this is, you know, people the argument when I said it does Nick Nick Diaz want to fight, and a lot of people said to me that he's just fighting for what he's worth, and I'm like, yeah, he is. That's grand, but he's offered a welterweight title fight. How much you is win he that? Right you're now? on pay per view points. Yeah. yeah. But even you know he probably get pay per view. He said in an interview he did and with some radio session that he has pay per view points in his contract already. You know he he was the first non champion. Yeah, he came from yeah. yeah. So he can, he's already going to get that. So I'm like, okay, Nick Diaz has, hasn't barely won a fight in like five years. You know he's coming off of a load of losses, and he's coming back in. He's getting a welterweight title shot, and he's not. And you know he's on pay per view points, and he's not getting what he's worth. Like what? What? What is he worth? You know, <laughs> like this is. Well, he probably sees know. Nate making making several million, and he's yeah. like, "Give me some of that." You've been out for a while. Nate's been winning fights while you've been out. He was always the kind of, Nick was kind of more always kind of more the fan favorite, more the, more of a draw than his brother. But I think that, yeah, not anymore at all. So I think he's got to realize now that uh, he's got to reposition himself if he wants to make that that Nate money or that Connor money or that that Ronda money. Yeah, and it's not just that as well. It's like. Even if he was still a big shot, even if he was winning all the fights, this is the biggest fight he can get. You know, I don't know. I, I, this is actually uh, like this is perplexed me. Like he's mm. he's getting. You know, it's not that he's holding out for uh, the most that he can get. He's getting the most that he can get. You know, they're giving, they're just handing it to him, and he still doesn't take it. Like I'm not sure Nick Diaz wants to fight. I, I like. I think he might just be retired. You know, we're going to have to talk, start talking about him in that in that fashion because he would have that... paid that fine though if he if he was retired. He would have told him to go yeah, fuck themselves. At the... Maybe, maybe. I I find it very very odd. As you say, maybe it is because he's he's injured and stuff like that, or not injured, but um, you know, not, not fit. Maybe he's waiting for Bisping to come back. Bisping just had an operation there a couple of weeks ago. Maybe we asked the fight he wants. Maybe he doesn't want to cut down to welterweight. You know, because he's a pretty big guy for the welterweight division. Yeah. So you know, maybe these those yeah. things, but I, I find it very odd. Like, I for a guy like Nick Diaz should probably be, be should probably be building his way back up 
easy for me to say, t- you know, to the title shot if you want to get there. But just because of the name he is and stuff, he's obviously been been given it. And like, I, a lot of people are talking about he's not as big a name as he used to be, and I, I don't think he is. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be too mad if he did get a fight with Bisping. Obviously, the Woodley fight was a bit weird because I think, you know, it's I, funny that the U, if that if, if this report is true that the UFC would offer Nick Diaz a a title shot, but um, without spending having to spend millions to reintroduce him, reintroduce him to fans and um, GSP. They're probably thinking Asher, they know Nate. He's his brother. It's all, it's all <laughs> yeah, Nate, Nick. Uh, what's thing, the difference? Yeah. Uh, most of the websites can't even get the pictures right when they're posting the articles about either brother. So, yeah, yeah it, it's tough to see who the perfect fight for him is. Maybe, maybe it is the GSP fight that that is perfect for him. Even though I've absolutely no interest in it as an actual fight because we saw it the first time and probably the same thing is going to happen again. You know, that's probably the one big he's money like, fight. Oh, that one seventy pounds on the dot title shot, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to see that Johnny, weight, see that Johnny weight, weight scale stuff going on. <laughs> Too heavy, Johnny. Seventy, Johnny. Seventy, Johnny. Johnny. Yeah, he was so disappointed when Johnny actually made weight as well. Everybody else is cheering. Nate is, or Nick is just so annoyed. The, the thing about Nick is, I was like, everyone wants to see him back. I really, really want to see him back. I like. I hope he comes back so much, but. It's just the best thing about that 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 that, that, that uh, heckling was you, you can barely get Nick Diaz to turn up to a UFC function when he's fighting. <laughs> yeah, and he, and he's, he out of nowhere turns up when you hear Johnny Hendricks can't make way. Yeah, and he's there like an hour after <laughs> after the wins roaring at Johnny Hendricks. But yeah, what a great man! I hope he goes. I like. I'd love to see that Robbie Lawler fight, but you know it's. It's tough to see any of those fights happening at the moment, but hopefully, hopefully he will. Yeah, he will. We need back. someone at Nick Insanity back, yeah. where like when he was talking to him, his his camera in his car and flipped the double fingers to Mayhem Miller and <laughs> and the soccer mom incident and all that is brilliant. <laughs> That's really, hilarious. Yeah. I need to make money for the family, which I haven't acquired yet. <laughs> 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 oh, what a fucking man! I love Nick Diaz so much, but uh, Nate as well. Like they said, Nate was offered Eddie Alvarez fight, and he said out a tweet and he kind of lulled at it and I suppose Nate's in a kind of a in a, in a better position than Nick because uh, he has that McGregor fight looming you know and he could stay out for fucking 18 months and walk straight back into that McGregor fight and McGregor probably be happy to fight him as well because he knows that's a big money fight so you know he has that for him so he's in a, maybe a different situation and um, yeah I suppose if he, he just takes, made a load of money as well so yeah yeah, I'd fancy him to beat Eddie Alvarez though uh, you know yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the last two um, so, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think when Nate's motivated and and like uh, the thing with Nate is he, some of his fights he hasn't been that motivated. But when he's motivated and he puts the work in, he he is very very dangerous. He's obviously his cardio is is ridiculous and his striking is very good and he's just he's very good. he's very good everywhere. It's just as his 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 take in the, he's too readily he's too readily available to uh, or he's he's too accepting of of take in sometimes. And both the Diaz brothers kind of back themselves nearly a little bit too much in their jiu-jitsu. But um, yeah, Nate, Nate against Eddie Alvarez would be a great fight. But I'd probably have to go with Nate, especially after uh, Eddie Alvarez coming back from that that Conor McGregor fight. Is obviously uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be uh, difficult for him. Yeah, I agree. Right, let's move on to UFC 208, which goes down this weekend, and it's going to be at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, and it's almost the women's MMA special this week in the Severe MMA podcast because so, we have Holly Holm versus Jermaine Durandamy for the inaugural women's featherweight title as the headliner here. 
you rang me the other day and you said, look at look at the prices in this, you know, look at look at the look at the betting lines. And Jermaine Durandamy is a, is a favorite for this fight. Holly Holm is like even Slide money to dog, win yeah. to win this fight, isn't it? I was kind of shocked by that as well. But I was expecting around one point five, one point six Holly Holly favorite, maybe something like that. What's that in? Like um, you stick on a tenner, you win five or six euro. Yeah, yeah I, I was thinking maybe something similar, but I was I was watching I was watching taping this and I wrote, I wrote my uh, preview there the other day. It's actually a pretty interesting fight to me, you know, looking just looking at it as as, as uh, two technical people going up against each other because we know like we know Holly Holm, we know what she does. She's not going to change what she does, you know. She fights long, long range, waits for you to come in, and then she'll try to hit you when you come in. And the me she loves to come in she does she does exactly what holly home wants her to do she'll come in and she'll land her big stretch shots down the middle she'll throw her jab you know very very powerful very good lovely uppercuts brilliant but is she gonna do that against holly home you know people know how holly home fights she always fights the same way you know and is her jermaine Jermaine gonna play into her game and i think that's that's the winning and losing of this fight if she does She'll either knock Holly Holm out or get knocked out by Holly Holm or, or get badly beaten by Holly Holm. I'd probably favor Holm there because I think her hands are better than, than their enemies. But their enemy has something else as well. She has a very, very good clinch game. Very, like, really, really good. Obviously, she's a, a multiple-time Muay, uh, Muay Thai world champion. You know, a very good kickboxer. And when she gets you clinched up, it's very hard to get out. She has devastating knees. You know, she can, she's, a you know, really tall. She probably has a, a height and reach advantage over Holly Holm. She's you know, attacks the body hard when she gets you up against the cage, attacks the face, with, with, you know, as I said, with those knees. And if she can get home there, she can win this fight. So that for me, that that makes this fight really, really interesting. Again, you know, I I think it's it's an intriguing matchup, and it's it's one of those ones. Maybe you know, you look at it on the face of it as well. Like I mentioned with Ian Jacek a while ago, and you think, okay, home, yeah, home's, you know, maybe the more schooled, more classy fighter than than their enemy. She's lost a couple of fights to her enemy as well, and home has maybe only lost to like the very very best in the world. And, and you look at it, yeah. maybe home, but I, I you know I, I'm not sure about this one. Yeah, I wouldn't. I definitely not sure. I was just surprised at the at the, Holly being an underdog. I, I was, but as, as we say, um, there's definitely a method method for victory here for Durandamy. If you look at Durandamy's record, she's six and three, and even though she fought Amanda Nunes back in 2013, I think Holly Holm is the toughest fight for because because Amanda Nunes isn't this, wasn't the same fighter as she is now back yeah. then, um, and she's lost three of nine uh, Durandamy. Um, her wins are like Pacheco, Elmos, Judy Kedzie by split decision. Like she, the quality of opposition for Holly Holm has obviously been a lot higher. Um, and she's so much more experienced. I know uh, Durandamy is a, is is a striker as well, so I have MMA, but Holly Holm is, is obviously kickboxing, boxing, and more experience in MMA and more high level experience. So that's why I, that's why I was surprised with with the odds, but. Uh, yeah, no, as you say, there is there is a method of victory there. Like uh, Holly Holm likes to fight on, on the counter, and people know that now. And they, if you have a smart game plan, you can you can kind of you can you can kind of stump uh, Holly. She kind of she's not she doesn't have that high of an output because she's trying to counter. So you you can you can make the rounds very close that way, and maybe nick them with, with maybe a crafty little takedown or just a couple a couple of a couple of nice shots. It's it like it it, it could be a very close fight. But I would have to. Uh, I would have to go with, with Holly Holm. 
Yeah, I seem to agree with you. You know, I, I said someone's going to get, I mean, you know, there's a possibility of someone getting knocked out in, in the pocket, you know, either home or their enemy. But I think there's more a possibility of this one going to the decision than anything else. You know, I think I think it's one of those fights that's going to be long, five rounds, you know, maybe four rounds to one and three rounds to two. And I think, you know, I think home, you know, is very, very good at winning rounds. You know, that's one thing about her, even, even the Rousey fight, you know, she obviously, she took over from, from Rousey and, and you know, obviously got the big knockout. But, looking at that fight beforehand you're thinking maybe she can outpoint Rousey because of her range and because she stays so far away from danger and if she can stay far away from danger with their enemy as well and not get into that clinch I think the fight is really hers, hers to win you know over the decision but um, I think it'll be a close one close decision it should be a good fight but this this women's featherweight division is just like it's a laugh I, a lot of people in, when it, you know when it uh when it got announced, we're like, oh, the, the division is coming now. And I said, you know, I was kind of the one saying, D -d -d where? Where's the division coming from? Yeah, like, you know, anybody, yeah. <laughs> there's no one coming. And I'm like, I, I think I was kind of right about that. You know, it's, there's two people in the division and the both of them are bantamweights. You know, I'm I'm not sure what's what's happening with this one. But, you know, you would know with Cyborg, is she going to get the, uh, the retroactive to UE? I think she's looking for one new. I'm not 100% sure, actually. But, you know. It's it's a difficult one to to know where this division is going to go from uh from after here. Maybe over the weekend after the fight, we might get a clearer picture. Yeah, and Anderson Silva's back again. He is. He is again. <laughs> this is a weird one, isn't it? It's Anderson's chinny now. Like I've I've always liked Anderson, but I just I don't know. I am I'm getting a bad feeling about this Derek Brunson fight. To be honest, I am too because Br Brunson hits hard. Like Brunson used to be a guy who who would like wait in the pile a little bit like Holly Holm, but not in not in the same way that wait for you to come on to him. He's a guy who'd wait, 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 and then burst forward and hit you with a big shot. But his last fight against Robert Whittaker, he just kind of didn't do the wait and he just did the bursting bit. <laughs> and, it, you know, it, it didn't work out well for him. And that might work out well for him against Anderson Silva yeah, as well. Right from like a maniac. I don't think that he'd be doing that against Anderson Silva. Yeah. He's master counter uh, striker. But if, <laughs> if he did, like... Anderson Silva's chin is definitely not what it used to be. Yeah. Like, you know, Anderson loves to, cl to clench and try to and try to get the knees going. And Weidman showed that if you just can just can hit him with a couple of shots while he's while he's trying to get that knee in, that, yeah. that you, you can rock him even 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 from that distance where you can't fully wind up. He's just he's 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 old. He's, he's old now, Anderson. He's he's not. He doesn't have the chin he used to have, and he's he doesn't have the movement he used to have. He used to be the, he used to be the master of just avoiding shots, like just by a half inch. And or rolling with punches, and it, you, you, it might look like it landed, but then you watch it back, and you're, you're like, "Oh, wait, that was that was masterful," you know. But that's that's not there anymore. It's there in flashes, but it's not it's not there anymore. Yeah, I think on the whole, there's three ways this fight can go. I think either Derek Brunson will catch him and knock him out cold. Brunson lead, might take him down and lay him for the, the whole three runs, or else Anderson will dodge him. He'll be too quick for Brunson and end up winning a decision or, or mm. getting a knockout. I think one of those three ways is the way it goes. And I'm not, I'm honestly not sure how it goes, to be honest. Yeah, I Anderson's just, always dangerous with some kind of mad, mad front kick or crescent yeah. kick or, or flying knee, which he knocked Bisping out with. Uh, well, yeah, he did. Kind of, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, He's, he's always dangerous with a flashy move. So, like, Derek, Derek Brunson, you, you can't be messing around on the feet with Anderson Silva for too long. If, if it's not going your way, Anderson will... Uh, Anderson, he always, start, he always starts kind of the first round, first half round, first round kind of feeling out, trying to get a feel for your timing, what you're going to do, how you're going to react to a bunch of feints that he throws. And he figures you out that way. 
if if Derek Brunson can kind of not let him do that, get like get on top of him, uh, take like Anderson take Anderson's a bit kind of uh, readily he accepts takedowns sometimes he doesn't he doesn't sprawl maybe that as much as he as much as he should. Uh, it was always kind of the the weak point in his career even or in his uh, game all throughout his career. So so there is there there are ways to win here for for Derek Brunson uh, outside of uh, outside of Anderson being chinny, but um. I don't know, like it's a it's a tough one. I'd, I'd probably have to go Anderson. Anderson guess, like, but, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it, there's a there's a lot of these kind of guys that we've we've watched and loved watching over the years, and it was they're all kind of coming to the end of their career, and it's kind of there's a lot of unknowns with them because the game moves on so fast, and and age will always beat you no matter how good you are, Um your chin never lasts forever. It, he's come, he came back from that broken leg. Like, has he ever been the same since that? I don't think he has. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Uh, let's move on to the other middleweight fight on, on the night, and that's going to be between Ronaldo Jacare Souza and Tim Boch, which we'll, we'll just touch on quickly. Uh, you know, I don't think anyone is picking Boch in this fight. Obviously, he has that puncher's chance. He has that yeah, lead. I wouldn't rule out the Barbarian to land some massive shot. Like, I wouldn't say it's, in, it's, it's, it's uh, out of the rounds of possibility, but more than likely, it's going to be a submission for uh, Jacare. Yeah, I w- I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah, I, I even think Shakira can knock him out on the feet. You know, his his striking yeah. has been improving an awful lot. Um, There's probably no need to to really mess around on the feet for too long with Bosch. Though you yeah. can get you can make him tired by taking him down, even if you don't submit him in the first round. He his cardio isn't exactly been the best over the years, and he he, he puts a lot of energy into swinging for the fences early. And um, if you can kind of weather that storm, uh, Jack Ray should be able to submit him handily enough. Yeah. I always like a, a little Jack Ray via KO bet because it's usually pretty good odds. And like sometimes, you yeah, know, when you submission acts like that, they, you're not gonna get the back and he'll just bait away in his head and get the, the you know, the yeah, or they won't give it the back, they'll, they'll just stay in mount and not give the yeah. back because they know, you know, he's so good at choking and then he'll just land a few shots and the ref will call it. Exactly, I think I think Jack Ray. We're both agreed on that. Jack Ray should win it pretty easily. Um, just a couple of more fights before we, we get on to the questions. Glover to share against Jared Cannonier. Like people may, might not not know Jared Cannonier, but he's another one of these light heavyweights. I mentioned this, you know a while ago that he's one of these up and coming dangerous guy. I believe he even did he fight at heavyweight before him? I think he did. He fought Sean Jordan at heavyweight, but uh, yeah. he beat Ian Kutelaba, who I who I uh, I rate highly in his last fight back in December. And uh, he's nine and one at the moment, so you know he's another one of these guys, and he hits, he hits very, very hard, you know. Yeah, he's exciting. He has a couple of weird bonuses already to his name in the yeah. UFC. Yeah, so this this could be a a tough one for Glover to share. And Glover's one of those guys as well, you know. You mentioned about Nate Diaz, you know, when he's when he's on form and he's good training behind him, he's really really good. Mm-hmm. But when he's not taking it seriously, seriously, he's really really bad. And you know, he kind of has his own gym and he's his own backyard and stuff. Now, if he's training there or not training, you know, with John Hackleman or I think he's with ATT as well. And sometimes, you know, if he's not there. I think he could struggle in this one, but uh, it depends. Yeah. Say, it depends which Glover shows up. I think uh, Glover's kind of underestimated on the ground a bit as well, though. Uh, like we were kind of saying about Jacare in the in the TKO or KO betting stakes, I think maybe um, people sleep a bit on Glover Teixeira's submission game. But his wrestling is one, yeah, one of the best in UFC. I'm all yeah. talking about his wrestling. Yeah, his grappling in general is very, very good. Like. Mm-hmm. Um, he, like he absolutely was who was a Kyle Kingsbury and his Glover Teixeira's long awaited UC debut. He, if people don't know, he had like probably about ten years struggle to get a visa. I think he overstayed a visa at one stage years before, and 
I think he might kept banned for a certain a long, a long period from from getting another visa then work visa in the US, in the USA. So he he was kind of fighting in Japan and Brazil and for years. And then he came into the UFC, kind of. Well, he probably already had twenty five fights under his belt at the time, or twenty twenty uh, fights at the time when he really went through uh, the 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 lower echelon of the division really easily. Like if if you're not a top fighter, he he'll he'll go through you like butter. Like. Yeah, definitely. So it's a good test. It's a very good test here for Jared. Yeah, should be should be an interesting one. Um, just a couple more. Dustin Poirier against Jim Miller. Uh, that has exciting fight written all over it. Um, Jim Miller's looked good, look good recently, and you know he's mm. maybe another guy who's shoving on a bit, and he can look good and look bad in fights. But Dustin Poirier has looked, you know, really really good recently. Apart from that, that last two, uh, was it Michael Johnson? He last wasn't he? He beat Joseph Duffy, obviously in a very good performance. So yeah, that's I think that's one of those fifty fifty ones. They're probably probably favor Poirier though. My close personal yeah, friend. Yeah, I think Poirier made a. Poirier probably should have beaten Michael Johnson. He kind of, don't know, he didn't look himself really. But uh, uh, I think I think I'd go to some Poirier here. Miller kind of, as you say, he's uh, he's good when he's good. But as as the years go on, he seems to to be more uh, more inconsistent than consistent. Yeah, and uh, I suppose the last two to mention: Wilson Hayes against Eula Sasaki and Ian McCall against Shard Brooks. Obviously, Neil Siri had to pull out of that fight because yeah, uh, I actually saw the odds on McCall. He's not that big of a favorite. It, you know, I haven't seen. Um, I haven't seen what's the man's name again? Sorry, Shard Brooks. Brooks. I haven't seen good, him, but he's twelve and twelve and oh, yeah, twelve and oh, like now. Nah. So, what I'd have to go with Ian McCall. He's experienced. He's been like this is a UFC debut for Jared Brooks. That's obviously a. A pressure environment as well. He, he fought his last fight in Pancreas, and before that, fight night at the Island, Pinnacle Combat. You know these are these are not uh, the same size level or size show, and the pressure is different. Um, and it's short notice as well, which never helps uh, when you're making a UFC debut. Who knows what he was doing when he got the call? You know, you you say yes no matter what when the UFC calls. You, you, you know, even even if you're out of shape. Yeah, I think the important thing about these two fights as well is that you know there's a flyweight title shot up for grabs there for someone, and who is it going to be? You know, Ian McCall could get it. You know, he he is previous with Demetrius Johnson. He's a guy they've always wanted to give a title shot to, but he's kind of always missed out. And uh, obviously Wilson Hayes had a title shot, but it, was it Demetrius Johnson got injured or tough twenty four came along anywhere or whatever? You know, tough eighty nine, and uh, that, that worked <laughs> out. But oh, you know, good performance here from someone if there's a bad performance from the other one and they could get a title shot out, out of this so that's that's very interesting to uh to to have a look at that uh on saturday night it's one of the i suppose one of the the subplots of of the whole night but uh yeah it should be it should be a fun night I, like this card has gotten off a lot of stick and i suppose maybe it's because of the headliner and, and other and it's some of the matchups isn't it there is there's a lot of good fights like the whole way down it you know there isn't maybe there isn't that blockbuster fight and you know obviously the Anderson Brunson Jack Ray Boach is kind of two weird fights there but I'm I'm watching them they're still good but all the other fights like Tashera Kanir love that Pari and Miller love that even Randy Brown Bilal Muhammad that's a good fight you know I always love Wilson Hayes fighting Nick Lintz versus Islam Makachev that's a fucking battle that's going to be a yeah. battle on the ground yeah Wait, what did I say yeah no sorry you dropped it a little there. Oh, sorry, Nicklins, yeah. But, uh, yeah, go for it. Even Ryan LeFleur against Ryan Canero, Juan, the, uh, what was, what was the name of that, that tournament he won? You remember the one-night tournament? Zhu Oh, yeah. Let me look yeah. up here. Uh, the, oh, the Battlegrounds of MMA. 
that was you know three fights in one night. Yeah, then one night tournaments are always kind of strange. Though it's a lot of who draws who, and if they go through a decision or get a quick finish, and what injuries. Even if you win a fight, you might throw a leg kick and injure your leg. It's like there's a lot going on, and a lot a lot of times alt- alternates have to sub in, and one night tournaments are messy. Sometimes <laughs> the yeah. guy doesn't win them. Yep. 100%. All right, let's get to the, the questions. Before we do that, let's give a shout out to our, our sponsors, rosnutrition.com. As you heard at the start of the show, ROS Nutrition, Ireland's uh, top supplement provider, head on over to our website, rosnutrition.com. You can get 25% off your first order with the promo code Severe in May. You know, new year. Happy New Year to everyone as well. I forgot to say that at the start of the show. <laughs> <laughs> new year. Uh, you know, a lot of people making making changes, getting back to the gym and stuff. You know, you need to stock up on protein, all that good stuff. Head on over rosnutrition.com. Get 25% off your first order with promo code Severe May. Help us help you. Graham, questions. Um, uh, Mr. Podge, best friend of the podcast. Obviously, he's there with a lot, a lot of questions. Again, let's get let's get to a couple of them. Um, he quoted a tweet from, uh, who's, it's Mike Bond. And Mike Bond said, Misha Sarkinov, Lorenz Lark, and Rick Story have been removed from the latest UFC rankings, and none of them are currently under contract. And his question is about, of all three, is Sarkinov the biggest loss uh, because of the, the light heavyweight and its uh, lack of competitive fighters? Yeah, I think he probably is, especially coming off that, that really nice finish of uh, Krylov, who himself was, was looking very good and looking much improved. Um, yeah, a guy, a guy who's 4 0 in the UFC. Uh, just running a contract, and uh, they would, they won't want him going anywhere else. But maybe, maybe he's, maybe he's asking for a bit more money than they want to give. But I'd be surprised. I would be surprised. I was surprised to hear he was out of contract. Usually, they kind of give you a, a killer <laughs> if they were gonna. I know Kyle was a good fighter, but they would have given him somebody that maybe is a bit tougher than that. If uh, if they if they were unsure whether he was going to resign or not. Yeah, I was very surprised as well. Like, I don't think they can afford to lose him, you know, in that division. Obviously, Ryan Bader left as well this week, and I suppose maybe this is a good time to to, to mention him. You know, Ryan Bader is the kind of guy who's who's had his time to prove if he was the top fighter, and he's never been able to do it. And I think when you're in the UFC, and when you have a guy like Ryan Bader who can maybe beat guys like Sorkinov or Nikita Krylov or, or stuff like that, you sometimes it's better to just look yeah, get rid of him. Yeah, kind of John Fitz situation. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. And you know, even though they they don't have the you know they have a lack of strength and depth in that light heavyweight division, you, Bader isn't you know he might even ever get that title shot or he might get that title shot, but it's not going to be big. And he's going to maybe take away two or three, um, you know, prospects from you. So, yeah. like he, he recently he's beaten OSP, Phil Davis, Rashad Evans, Ilir Latifi, and Nogara. Like, <laughs> he, he, like he's nearly in the best form of his career here, Bader. And maybe they they know that he's not going to be be the top guy, so they can they can afford to lose him. Yeah. But I think yeah, as you say, Sirkinov is a is an upcomer and. I don't think you have them problems with them. So I think they'd, they'll be looking probably to do more to sign, re-sign Zirkinov than they were doing to try and keep Ryan better. Yeah, you, like you have to feel sorry for better as well because if if Jones hadn't fallen out of UC 200 and if Cormier hadn't gone injured before he's scheduled um, Anthony Johnson fight, he'd probably be in title contention now. But, you know, everything has kind of gone against him. You know, he'd probably, you know, they'd, they'd probably want to keep him. But just 
you know, there's a title shot there, but it's probably like 18 months away, maybe now or a year away. So he, yeah, he's been unlucky in his career, really. He was yeah, he was undefeated, and then they John Jones is undefeated too, and they 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 kind of fed they fed Bader to Ryan Jones or did not Ryan Jones, John Jones, and uh, and then after that, obviously he lost to Tito Ortiz, a fight he he never should have lost, really, yeah. uh, poison loss. But then he went on he went on to beat uh, Rampage. He, he lost Machida. He, he rushed in against Machida, which is which is. Yeah. You never do. Hard to do. Not uh, the over, so. But he went. He went through a bit of a sticky patch after losing his losing his first fight. Losing his first fight. But since then, his only loss since that little sticky patch, his first his only loss is Anthony Johnson, and and that's like you know Anthony Johnson is is very he's very he's very top level. Like he's in the he's in the the talk of of Daniel Cormier and John Jones constantly. That that'll tell you how good he is. Like people yeah, think exactly. picking him to to beat both of them. Yeah. Um, Farrell Connolly asked thoughts on Yair Rodriguez versus Zombie next. I suppose we touched it earlier. Yeah, we were kind of saying it earlier. Yeah, I definitely would watch. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. would watch. Mr. Podjigan asked, should Brian Stan be used more? He gives uh, great insight and excellent opinions. Mm, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I think he's good. I think I don't like the the kind of the pandering over him by the other commentators about how great he is and the greatest living in America and all this stuff. It's like it's a bit ridiculous. But uh, um, if that's not his fault uh, at all. I think I think I think Dominic Cruz will, will probably end up being the best if he if he wants to to, to do it. But uh, right now, I think yeah, I think Brian Stan is probably the best. I think Brian at the moment Brian the regular. Yeah, I think Dominic Cruz is really good, and I think I love him. But and I think the, the hardcores love him. But um, I think he might be a little too inside baseball for you know for everyone else. Yeah, too intricate for for the the, yeah. the, the casuals maybe. Yeah. I like but he over time. I think he's 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 a very smart uh, man, uh, Dominic Cruz. Yeah. I think he he'll he'll figure that out. Like he was very awkward. I remember the first couple of times he was even on Inside MMA back when WEC when he was WEC champion. He was much more awkward on camera and in the exact same position that he's in now on Fox than he is now. Obviously, experience and practice and uh, makes uh, makes you better. So I think Dominic Cruz may end up being really good. I think Frank Mir is very good as well. Um, he's doing is he doing ACB now or? Is it ACB? Is he? Is he? I don't know. Yeah, I haven't heard. I think so. Uh, he, he's very good. He obviously made a. He got kicked off. He used to do WBC, and they they got rid of him from the broadcast for. I think. What did he say? I can't remember what he said. He said he something said that someone, offended people. Oh, he said he was going to kill Brock Lesnar or something, didn't he, or something like that? I don't. Um, think he said anything on the broadcast, but I think he. Uh, I don't know. He said he. Uh, I thought it was something. I can't like remember. Brock Lesnar or something yeah, like that. Yeah, can't I can't remember. remember. Um, Rodrigo Cajasco asks. The real, real Carrasco asks, uh, should Francis Ngannou fight the winner of Travis Brown versus Derek Lewis? Um, if he doesn't get the title shot, I think he should. Yeah, I don't think he will get the title shot. So yeah, I think that's probably probably the most likely. Uh, he just fought recently. They kind of over the years in the under the the old ownership. They anyway they used to like to kind of put guys who fought recently enough together and it's kind of the timeline fits together they can just plug that fight right in and both guys have a similar amount of time to to prepare yeah uh cjr asked about green zombie events the green superboy i don't think that'll ever happen but it'd be amazing wasn't it wouldn't it be <laughs> yeah that'd be good yeah he'd probably just submit him very quickly though yeah uh amy mclean the korean zombie i would i mean sorry do you think so Maybe. The Koreans only probably submit him. Yeah. And McLean has no question, but he just wishes us well on two years of the podcast. Thanks, Eamon. Great man. Uh, yeah. Nate Kildea 
<laughs> please don't talk about Liverpool again. He, he, he's he, he's getting a uh, getting a bit sad. He's a big Liverpool fan. No problem. No problem. We'll wait until they're winning again, and then we'll then we'll start talking again. <laughs> three year anniversary. <laughs> so. to say now. To say now. <laughs> the three year anniversary. Yeah, yeah. Well, if we're lucky, the way things are going. <laughs> hey, indeed. Also, asked, who do you think should fight uh, Artem Lavov next, or who should think he should fight next? Um. Yeah. Um. The Korean Superboy. Let's do it. Uh, that could be fight is there like they should do that for London and I, like I don't hear it makes much sense uh, uh, rankings wise or anything like that but you know Kobe says he, he wants it Artem wants it so why not just do it Kobe <laughs> I always Kevin. call him Kobe but um, Kevin Kevin's <laughs> I, I think the Andre Feely fight makes a lot of sense for, for Artem Labov I think that uh, yeah that's perfectly good. Will Martin asks uh, do you think Green Rust is real or just a load of bollocks Will uh, I, I, I think it's real. Yeah, I think it's real. I yeah, think it's real. You think it's, it's shown most of the, most of the time. You can, it's it's noticeable. I think in guys with big layoffs. Yeah, most of the time I agree. But there's all there's always the outlier. Obviously, there's always the Dominic Cruz or. But you never know how good they would have looked if they if they hadn't been out for so long. Or yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's it's not a it's definitely not a an exact science that you're 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 definitely going to be worse. But um. You think it's real? Yeah, I agree. Um, Fraser at Fraz one zero zero one asks, "What women's division would you introduce uh, to the UFC if you could?" Um, I don't think I don't think I would. <laughs> I, I was thinking about that maybe 20, the, that 20, yeah, the twenty five ones. Kind of there. Yeah, it's, they flirt with it a bit. They put the odd fight at it. I think that one. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that necessary uh, the the two divisions are kind of just coming into their own now we would, we'd go yeah. to you're kind of diluted a bit then and you're kind of back to you put yourself back a bit in the other two divisions that you've already established I think the 105 pound division is in there. I think that's the better division than any of the rest of them I think there's more people there for that as I look like to teach it is um, Michelle Watterson and, but whatever division you put in you're probably taking away people from the other divisions anyway so yeah. I, I, I wouldn't add any at the moment to be honest yeah there's no rush to add divisions I think I think um, once once you have people like knocking down the door, women knocking down the door, a certain way it's being like, oh, I'm I'm a really good fighter. I've got this record of beating these people, and people are behind me. Then 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 they might look at it and go, okay, well, maybe we need this division. But at the moment, that's not happening. Yeah, right. We'll run through a couple of these quick. Um, Daniel Bride at Daniel Bride one, the Dark Prince of a Tie. He said he was watching the Bruce Lee films with his son. Who would win the fight, Bruce Lee or Conor McGregor? His son wants to know. <laughs> Conor McGregor Conor McGregor yeah Bruce Lee wasn't a real fighter he was an actor uh, people, I'll get I'll get shit for that now but he, I, I, he was <laughs> Colin at era 247 my favourite question ever sent to Severe my podcast will Nick Diaz fight again before Liverpool win the match <laughs> no <laughs> I think he probably will uh, do so bad we can, we can go we can go double down on uh, the money or the points you already owe me if you want uh, no, um, no, neck, <laughs> no, no, Nick Pablo asked, Was Andrade versus Hill the best WMMA no. fight of all time? No, it definitely wasn't. And he said, If you could pick what would be well, he kind of says this, but I'm gonna ask it my own way anyway. If you could pick what would be the Griffin Bonner of the women's MMA, um, hmm. Griffin Bonner, it's probably Carmody, yeah. I suppose it's a good, great fight, but also one that kind of changed the dynamic of the sport maybe i think rousey uh 
Rossi against Carmouche would, would probably be the one, I suppose, because that was a, a pretty good fight. You know, it was it was good for a round. Yeah, back and forth, yeah. and it was the first one. But I think the the best, arguably the best women's MMA fight ever is Julie Kedzie against Misha Tate back in Strike yeah, Force. That was a, good. that was a great fight. I really enjoyed uh, Gina Carano and Cyborg back in the day yeah, as well. It was a good fight. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, which chalk was better this weekend, James Vick or the Falcons from Nonic Pablo again? <laughs> <laughs> God, it was a it, what a chalk. Was worse. <laughs> uh, they just got beat, uh, beat easy. Oh, but God, what a what a chalk! Unbelievable, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. The, you got it. Like Brady was, was the whole team was absolutely that catch. Uh, Madness. Uh, was it Edelman? Was it or Amendola? Um, Amendola, yeah. Yeah, that was a ridiculous catch, and uh, and uh, it's kind of their Super Bowl was very strange. Like they need to change the uh, the. It was a brilliant game, what a comeback, and then the coin toss is just ridiculous. Yeah, I like agree. you have such a massive advantage winning that coin toss. It shouldn't it shouldn't be uh, so dramatic to the to the outcome of the game. Yeah, uh, if Francis Ngannou fought in a handicap match against BJP and Graham Maynard, who would win? <laughs> from one um, knobs 11 France, France, France. France, well. I like this one Keen O'Connell the at the R.E.S. only 21 if you could find if the UFC could sign three fighters from Moroccan or rival organizations who would they be um, Martin Marias yeah is he still with where's he fighting or he kind of up in the air I think um who else um Michael Chandler, mm. maybe. I like my a bit of Michael Chandler. Yeah, Michael Chandler, yeah. Um let me think. It's a tough one actually. Fedor? Like fucking hell, that was a disaster. Yeah, like. yeah but the, like, the draw not exactly not exactly top level. Yeah, he would draw. Um I can't MVP. be more interested in the, the up and coming guys. Yeah, M- I'd see that actually MVP Paul Daly apparently has been lined up for. Uh, yeah, I believe that when I see it for UFC or for not UFC for Bellator in in London. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to see that. That'd be it'd be interesting to see exactly where MVP is. Yeah, somebody that isn't afraid to throw a single strike against him, which uh, I'm sure Paul Daly will be <laughs> winging that big left hand and trying to fucking take his head off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Kieran Seville at the Super Bowl asked, would you rather reset a week in primary school or a week in secondary school? Hmm. Um, I wouldn't be, wouldn't be in a hurry to do either, but... Uh, um, I, I agree, crack in Primary school, school probably. secondary school. Great crack in secondary school. Uh, John, at John9266313 asks, with Holloway taking time off to shoot a movie, should he be stripped of his belt and should Jose Aldo fight someone else? <laughs> uh, I have an, I have an yeah, answer for this one uh, if, if Jose Aldo is ready to fight someone and Max Holloway is off shooting a film I think he should be stripped of his belt because it's an interim title it's not you know it's not the real belt if Jose Aldo is there and he's ready to, to defend his belt then he should defend his belt and they should just get rid of that interim title it's not a is know, it's not the official title what? is Aldo ready to defend his belt he he got handed this belt and then he's been talking about 155 interim belts ever since maybe yeah well if he is <laughs> like i was predicated on that yeah i know but that's i'm just kind of following on from that like it's mm-hmm. a mess yeah it is it is in fairness patrick sheen asked will he didn't drag anybody involved but he made all these stupid belts like was, that is true will andrage be the biggest test for you on today no 
I think Claudia Cadella is still the biggest test for her. If she can just work out her cardio problems, then it was a serious fight before, but then it's a it's a it's a to pick and fight. <laughs> That's a great question here from Jimmy McDermott. But I'm not sure if I can ask it. And yeah, go on, Ella. <laughs> would you would you rather step into the octagon with Habib for 25 minutes or ride and die live in RTE? Or water die? <laughs> would you rather step into the octagon with 20, for 25 minutes with Habib Nurmagomedov or ride and die live on RTE? Um. <sighs> It wouldn't be, no, I don't think it would last anywhere near 25 <laughs> minutes or could be everybody die before that would happen. So you'd ride and dial. There you go. The, <laughs> the exclusive. <laughs> Put the, you'll see that in bloody elbow tomorrow. <laughs> um, go one last one from Stein Berglund at D-U-F-F-E-21. He talks about uh, the possibility of JDS versus Stipe 2. Do you think JDS will be the next champion if they do fight? No, I think Stipe beat him this time. I think it was a very, very close fight this, uh, the first time. I think JDS has taken a serious amount of damage in uh, the last five years, like a ridiculous amount of damage from heavyweights. I think nearly having a, as good a chin as JDS has has actually been detrimental to his career. Yeah, He just refuses to go down no matter how hard he's hit. And uh, and it's it's taken years off his fighting career, I think. Yeah, 100%. If he just had to just went to sleep in the, in the first Cain Velasquez fight, instead of taking that beating, he, he'd probably be in better shape. Yeah. Totally agree. Couldn't agree more. Right. That's where we leave it for this week. Thanks everyone for tuning in. Uh, you can follow Graham at Severe and me. You can follow me at Sean Sheehan BA. Uh give to give an old tweet out, you know. Um yeah, share it on Facebook or get your friend to. Yeah. We we say it every week, but actually do it this week. <laughs> yeah, actually really do it. Yeah, tag us and we'll uh, we'll retweet it and stuff as well if you do. And someone asked me as well, someone did like um like a little graphic thing for us and they were like oh do you, do you want me to send this in is it all right if i do it yeah if anyone want anyone out there is like a graphic designer or just does drawings or anything wants to do something for the podcast do and we'll use it you know i need something to post every week for the questions a picture so yeah even like our art and stuff we, we like all that stuff we're open to anything yeah just send them on to us you can send them to uh sean at severemay.com if you want to email it so there you go right catch us next week catch me outside how about that any any final words, Graham, before we go? Um, no, I think that was I think that was a good show. It was, yeah, enjoyable. Thanks everyone for tuning in. As I said, and here's my inspiration quote, just before we go. There are no mistakes in life, just lessons. See you next Tuesday. <laughs>